Welcome to Business Brief, Missouri Business Alert's podcast focused on the news and issues shaping the state. In this episode, we'll talk about a problem that has literally been hidden underground across the state, orphaned oil wells. Then we'll look at the ways small businesses can get involved with charitable opportunities and what it can lead to for those businesses. My name is DC Benincasa, and I'm once again joined by my co-host, Ian Laird. Hey, DC. How are you this week? I'm doing pretty well. Hoping it stays a little warmer like it's been the last couple days. How about you? Well, I was just starting to settle into a rhythm for the semester, and then I realized we are now a quarter of the way through it, and that threw me off a bit. So, still trying to fully wrap my head around that and getting prepared for life after school. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people are going through that right now. You want to take your mind off of that by jumping into things? Sure. As always, we'll start with headlines. Ford has once again had to idle some of its production plants because of semiconductor shortages. The Clay Como plant near Kansas City was one of those affected, with all production shifts of the F-150 pickup truck shutting down and only one shift for the transit van remaining active. The plant was one of several that Ford announced will be affected by the issue, which is expected to cut into first quarter revenue. State legislators have announced a measure targeting Missouri's recent gas tax. Lawmakers who supported the bill cited the current budget surplus and federal funding for infrastructure as reasons behind trying to roll it back. The tax involved rolling increments of 2.5 cents over a period of time until a total of 12.5 cents per gallon had been added to the pre-existing tax of 17 cents. As part of the Biden administration's continued targeting of consolidated industries, Anheuser-Busch is drawing attention from the U.S. Treasury Department. The lack of competitiveness in the $250 billion industry led the Treasury Department to outline potential reforms on Wednesday. Among the reforms are increased scrutiny of mergers, different tax rates, and an easing of entry restrictions for new companies trying to make headway in the industry. Anheuser-Busch and Molson Coors are the top beer producers in the country and accounted for 65% of U.S. beer revenues last year. A report released Tuesday by the New York Federal Reserve announced U.S. household debt grew by $1 trillion last year, the largest jump since 2007. The higher figure was largely fueled by rising prices over the past year. Researchers also believe that consumers expecting higher interest rates in the future might have also borrowed last year to take advantage of rates while they were lower. And lastly, U.S. inflation has hit its highest level in four decades. The Labor Department announced Thursday that consumer prices jumped 7.5 percent last month compared with a year earlier, the highest year-to-year jump since 1982. Labor shortages, waves of federal aid, low interest rates, and high consumer spending all attributed to the record jump. For our first story today, we are joined by a fellow reporter at Missouri Business Alert, Connor Giffen. Connor, how are you? I'm doing well. Happy to join you guys on this. Glad to have you. Now, do you want to speak a little bit on a story you've been working on? Yeah, I've been looking into this issue of abandoned oil and gas wells across the state of Missouri and the potential harm the surrounding communities are exposed to as a result. Just how many wells are we talking about for the state of Missouri? It's hard to nail down the exact figure, but the Department of Natural Resources listed more than 10,000 in data released in January though there could potentially be hundreds more that DNR doesn't know about. And what is the status of these wells? Because some of them are more dangerous than others, right? 
That's correct. So of the wells in Missouri, 4,400 are classified as being plugged. This means the wells have been filled with a cement mixture and can no longer leak. Another 4,900 are classified as being abandoned. For these, the DNR doesn't have confirmation that they have been plugged and sealed, but they believe most are, while others are either active, have been converted to water wells, or are under some other classification. So what exactly is the danger with these wells? There's a variety of threats that the wells pose. First, we have seen in other states instances where methane leaks from gas wells have led to home explosions. There are also some safety hazards with inhaling methane, which were described in a recent report released by the White House on methane emissions. And environmental effects are another concern, right? Yes, and these environmental consequences are pretty widespread. One ton of methane gas will contribute 25 times more to global warming than the same amount of carbon dioxide over the course of a century. Then, when you look at oil wells, leaks can contaminate all types of water sources, and the resulting toxic mixture can kill off surrounding ecosystems. I don't think anyone really thinks of Missouri as an oil-producing state. So how did it get to this point? Missouri really doesn't produce much oil anymore. The state produced only 52,000 barrels of oil last year, the eighth consecutive year of production decline. I spoke with Aaron Zappa at the DNR, who is in charge of overseeing and monitoring the wells in Missouri, and he said it's not uncommon in the more oil-rich states, which produce millions of barrels every year, to see one well alone produce that much annually. When you look at how we've got here, Zappa gave an example of an operator who just left a bunch of wells in Vernon County. So you have years of operators simply moving on and a department working with a limited budget. You mentioned Zappa is the person in charge of this, but it doesn't sound like he really has much help at all. Zappa said he does about 100% of the work in the state around regulating and monitoring these oil and gas wells. You can imagine with over 10,000 wells, that is an overwhelming and unreasonable task for one person, which is part of what has made the task so difficult. And Connor, you brought up the limited budget as well. What does the funding look like for Zappa? Well, there was actually a recent announcement of $1.15 billion in federal funding to help plug wells across the country. And Missouri's set to receive about $32 million of that. Prior to that point, though, things were pretty tight. Zappa said money was mostly only set aside for emergency situations, and any additional funding was secured through seizing bonds from bankrupt companies. But that was always going to have a minimal impact. Why is that? What do the costs look like for plugging wells? Well, Zappa estimated that on the high end, plugging a well costs about $10,000. Many of Missouri's wells are more shallow, which makes them a bit cheaper to plug than in some other states. So when you look at the DNR estimates, there are about 2,500 unplugged wells, and the figure for plugging them could rise to nearly $25 million. Will the federal funding alleviate that problem? That's the hope. $32 million would obviously go a long way in dealing with this problem. Zappa says an initial grant of $5 million will open for applications in May. After that, it'll take until next year for his department to get the other $27 million. The funding will then have to be distributed over the next 10 years to contractors who will be tasked with plugging those wells. So it sounds like there is some hope on the horizon. It might just take some time, right? Yes. In the meantime, one of the things Zappa is monitoring is the expansion of urban areas like Kansas City into places that have old well fields drilled over a century ago. Thanks for the insight, and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. If you want to read more about this issue, you can find Connor's story on Missouri Business Alert's website. That was a really interesting conversation. I think we often forget just how much work has gone into the ground beneath our feet. 
I never realized there are thousands of wells in the state, and the idea that there's really only one person monitoring them was a surprise. You want to move on to our next topic? Yeah, this will probably be a bit less unnerving than the last segment. With Valentine's Day on the horizon, we looked at businesses that are showing love by embracing the social enterprise business model. Showing love, I see what you did there. So social enterprise, remind me what that means. Social enterprise is a business that incorporates charity to serve a social mission. Often, these businesses designate a portion of their profits to go towards a certain cause or nonprofit. Gotcha. So it sounds like these businesses really spread the love year-round. Certainly. Companies like Tom's Shoes and Patagonia have seen success operating under this model for years. But it's not just large businesses that have embraced this kind of giving. Small businesses in Missouri are branding themselves as social enterprises to give back to others. What kinds of causes are these businesses supporting? There's definitely a wide range, but one Springfield business is focused on addressing food insecurity. Five Pound Apparel sells shirts, hats, and other merchandise playing on Springfield pride. The company says it donates five pounds of food for every piece of its branded apparel sold. Reporter Emily Hood spoke with Brina Thomas, the owner of Five Pound Apparel, to find out how the store is able to operate while giving back. Here's Emily with that interview. So today I am joined by the owner of Five Pound Apparel, Brina Thomas. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So to start off, can you tell me a bit about the mission of Five Pound Apparel and kind of how it got started? Yeah, so Five Pound Apparel um, started in 2010, um, kind of just with the thought of giving back with every purchase. So for any item that is our brand, Five Pound Apparel, we donate five pounds of food to a local food bank. They have different programs working with um, seniors, with uh, Springfield Public Schools. Um, so they buy food in bulk from grocery stores and they store it and they ship it out and send it to their mobile pantries or their local sites um, for um, individuals that are food insecure. I'm curious, how much food have you all donated since you first got started? Cumulatively, we have donated over 290,000 pounds of food. Um, We've been in business for almost 11 years. So it's a lot of food, a lot of giving. um, And we have an awesome donation tracker in our store for all the things that we have donated over the last 11 years. I want to touch a little bit more on this relationship you guys have with Ozarks Food Harvest, because I know um, you mentioned that you guys have been working for th- with them for quite a while. How do you think working with an organization that is focused on that local give back has really helped Five Pound Apparel? Well, I think that um, I think it's just human nature that individuals, you know, they want to do good and they want to give back. And I think it. Um, it, you know, it's just one of those things that helping others is always is, is a great thing. And I think that that is why a lot of our um, supporters support us because they want to help other people. And what are some things that you've done with Ozark's Food Harvest to cultivate a positive relationship and help you all work together in the best way possible? They do have a lot of different fundraising events all throughout the year. Um, and we keep an open line of communication in whenever they need, you know, raffle items or silent auction gifts or anything like that. Ozark Food Harvest always has a lot of great um, volunteer opportunities um, as an individual or as a group. So um, 
prior to the pandemic, um, we liked to, uh, to, uh, volunteer there as a, as a business, as, um, with all our staff members. For businesses who are wanting to look into incorporating more charity into their business model, what do you think are some keys for doing that? I think for the biggest thing is the sustainable giving, um, making sure that you can sustain what you're promising. Um, I think definitely start small, maybe set start with um, a short period of time of figuring out if it works for you, if it works with your um, customer base, with your demographic. Um, and yeah, just reach out to different nonprofits, do, you know, short-term collaborations or short-term um, fundraisers for them and kind of just see what works. And I want to shift a little bit towards branding here now that we've gotten a little bit into product development. So how do you think your company's branding around the donations you make to Ozarks Food Harvest and other nonprofits has helped your company or helped the way customers view your company? It, we, we just always try to have a positive outlook on um, anything that's going on um, in the world. And, you know, especially right now, the things seem a lot more negative all the time. And I think that um, people have just associated us with, you know, the positivity and giving back. And um, that's just our, that's just us, you know, um, we, that's just our brand. I don't know. It's, it, it's kind of one of those things whenever we were acquiring the store in 2017, people always had nice things to say. Well, that is all the time we have today. Brina, thank you so much again for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. like businesses with some sort of mission or link to a cause are really starting to gain popularity, especially with younger generations. So it was cool to hear of a local example of that. Yeah, it really feels as if consumers are becoming more and more conscious of what they are buying, who they are buying from, and what the business they are buying from might represent. That was good work again from Emily with that Q&A. So thank you again to her for that. Right. It's time for our words of the week again. You ready? Yep. What is your word of the week, DC? Mine is teleworking. Okay, that's something that really gained popularity throughout the pandemic with COVID altering the way people worked. What made it resurface in the news recently? Well, there had been a downward trend in remote work since figures related to teleworking started being tracked. But the recent surge of the Omicron variant meant figures rose in January. Wow, what were some of the numbers behind this jump? Well, about 11% of workers were teleworking in December, but in January, the Bureau of Labor Statistics said the figure stood at more than 15%. That's the highest it has been since last May, and signified the largest monthly jump since BLS started tracking the number in the spring of 2020. I guess that really just helps show how this surge in cases has affected businesses across the country on a wider scale. Yeah, it's a pretty good indicator. What's your word for the week? I chose supplemental. Interesting. I'm guessing there's more to this than just that. Yes, I chose it because Missouri just passed a $4.6 billion supplemental spending bill in the House this week. That's a decent chunk of change. What was the purpose of the bill? There's a few things that the money is going to. The first part of the bill is giving every state employee at least a 5.5% raise. Governor Mike Parson had originally proposed upping the minimum wage of all state employees to $15 but the bill that was passed will only raise some employees' rates to that level. How much of the money in the bill will that eat up? 
the pay raises will account for about $92 million. Where is the rest going? Another $1.6 billion is going to fund the voter-approved Medicaid expansion through June. The remaining nearly $3 billion is federal aid for education funding, and nearly $2 billion of it must be apportioned before March 24th, or it will be forfeited by the state. An important breakthrough and some follow-up stories to watch moving forward. And as we wrap things up, it is time for our closing thought of the week. Here is Brina Thomas of Five Pound Apparel again on what she has learned about the impact even one person or business can have on a community like Springfield. I think that it has shown me that even though we are this very, very small brand and this small store, um, that we have had a large impact on our community. But, you know, even though we're tiny and small, we still have had a large impact on our community. And I think that it shows me that, you know, even being one person, um, you still have an impact on everybody. All right. That just about wraps things up. Thank you to the M33 Project for providing the music for this episode. For my co-host Ian Laird, assistant producers Kaylee Anagita and Christian McDonald, and editors Kaylee Daruk, Jack Knowlton, James Marshall, and Wicker Perlis, I'm DC Benincasa. This has been Business Brief. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.